Hi, this is David. Eating right is often hard these days, but eating better is easy with Factor's ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. With Factor, there's no prep and no mess. Their meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Plus, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. What are you waiting for? Discover Factor's wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash living50 and use code living50 to get 50% off. That's code living50 at factormeals.com slash living50 to get 50% off. Thank you. Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading is a continuation of last week's reading on how to transform your life and has been edited and adapted from Working with God by Gardner Hunting, published in 1934. There is a lot of talk these days about the power of thought, and some people are disposed to sneer at it. But there is more in it than these persons suppose, and they suffer because they don't realize its power. Consider this, can you do anything without first thinking about it? Is any discovery or invention, any work of art or book, any newspaper or tool, any manufacturing or any crime, any deed, good or bad, ever performed without someone's first thinking about it? In other words, everything that you do is first an idea in your mind. That is where it is first created. If you want to make a chair or a plane or a sailboat, or a printing press, or a bomb, or a broom, it must first take shape in your mind as an idea. As a matter of fact, the idea of a thing is the real creation of it. The physical putting it together afterward is a mere copy of the idea in your mind. We are accustomed to think that a certain amount of time and energy is required to make the visible copy of the idea, the visible chair or plow or broom. But the more perfectly we think it out, that is, create it as a complete idea in mind, the more quickly and perfectly we can create it in visible form. And as we think it out better and better, we find that we require less and less time to make the visible thing, 
and less and less energy. Newly invented machines, for instance, are usually crude, cumbersome, heavy, and require a lot of power to operate them. But as they are perfected, that is, as they are thought out, they become lighter, simpler, more efficient, are operated by less power, and do their work more quickly. During this process, the time always comes when the thing that once took a long period and much labor to make is made at a speed so high that the production is in some cases almost instantaneous. If, when we began making this thing, we had understood all the laws of its making, we could have made it instantaneously without going through the process of learning how. But that would have been a miracle. Exactly. The difference between what we call a natural process and what we call a miracle is largely a matter of the time required to reach the desired end. But doing a miracle is merely a matter of understanding the laws by which it is done. The first Ford car required months of grueling labor to build. Within a relatively short time though, Ford plants could make about five and a half cars a minute, or one about every ten seconds. Is that a miracle? At one time people would have thought so, but not today because car manufacturers now have a better knowledge of the mechanical laws involved. Knowledge of the laws involved in anything is not only the most valuable knowledge that we can have, but it is absolutely essential. Henry Ford never would have made a car if he had started with no knowledge of law, but he began by using what he knew about the laws of mechanics. And as he used the knowledge he had, his knowledge grew, just as your muscles grow as you use them, or as intelligence grows by use, or anything else. And wouldn't Henry Ford have been foolish not to try out his ideas, based on the bits of knowledge he possessed? Think this over, and you'll see that anything we ever achieve is accomplished by our knowledge of some kind of law. Health, wealth, happiness, success, prosperity, freedom. Anything you want literally will come to you if you will obey its laws, just as literally as you obey the law of gravitation. Now, of course, you see the direction of this argument. Our work is not primarily to do something hard that brings us sweat, breaks the nails, tires the muscles, and exhausts the wind. Something that is a drudgery. Not at all. The secret of getting what you want lies in obeying the law governing getting what you want. What is that law? The law of giving and receiving. Now, you may be thinking, what have I to give? Perhaps you conclude that you have nothing. But Henry Ford had nothing, at the start, nothing but an idea. 
Heinz the pickle man of 57 varieties fame, had nothing at the start, nothing but an idea. Woolworth, the five and ten cent store owner, had nothing at the start, nothing but an idea. Arthur Ashe, the tailor, who built a business up from nothing to twelve million in six years, had nothing at the start, nothing but an idea. The curious thing about it is that these entrepreneurs all had the same idea. What was it? It was the idea of giving the world something that it needed, something of value. When they began acting on the idea by giving what they had to begin with, they learned how to give more, and so received more. And when they gave that, more came until every one of them reached the point where he was successful and famous, and money rolled in upon him faster than he could use it. It will work for you, this law. It has worked for me. It is working for you and for me, whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not. What you give out comes back to you, multiplied. If you don't get what you want, it's nobody's fault but your own. If I don't get what I want, it's nobody's fault but mine. The law works. If it works for me slowly at first, that is because I must learn by giving what I have, before I can get more knowledge of the law and thus have more to give. But if I will give what I have, where I am, to someone who needs it, I'll gain the knowledge and the things that I need. As I go on giving, I rapidly rise toward the point where I shall do easily and instantaneously the thing that now takes me a long time to do, just as my hand gains skill and speed and ease with a hammer or a drill or a baseball or a boxing glove or a camera, or an automobile. Eventually, by using all the knowledge I have of law, in giving service to the world, I shall gain the ability to do seeming miracles, as Henry Ford, Ty Cobb, Thomas Edison, Madame Curie, Helen Keller, and many others have done. If you believe that my argument is sound, has it occurred to you that the conclusion is not new? It's as least as old as the year 33 AD. In other words, it has been taught to the world more or less ever since the time of Jesus. In fact, it was and is his teaching. Many people overlook the real teaching of Jesus of Nazareth. But listen, didn't he say, Give and it shall be given unto you. Whatever you think about Jesus religiously, did he know what he was talking about? Did he state a law? I believe that Jesus of Nazareth did not merely found religion, but that he taught a way to live, to live happily, successfully, prosperously. Didn't he say, I came that ye may have life? 
and may have it abundantly? In other words, he taught not merely a way to be good and moral and honest and industrious and all that, but a way to live by the law that brings success and money and fame and love and all the other things that we want. And the law he taught was give and give first if you want to get anything. He voiced the golden rule, Whatsoever ye would that others should do to you, do ye even so to them. The wisest of the world's cynics say that you have to pay some time for whatever you get. Jesus of Nazareth said in essence, Pay as you enter. Select what you want and pay first. Maybe this sounds impractical to you. It did to me, but try it out. I did. You'll get results. I certainly did. It won't fail you. It hasn't failed me. Why? Because there is just one maker of law in the universe, and that is the power we call God. And that power made the law of giving and receiving. Give the best you have and look for the best in return. Prove me now, says God, whether I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing greater than ye are able to receive. His only condition is that we shall give first, that's all. Commonly we do not take this sort of promise seriously, but it is sound and true. If you will stop thinking of God as a joke, or as a terror, or as a myth, or as a dream, or as something far off and outside everyday life, and will think of Him as the maker of the law of gravitation and of the law of love, one of which is just as real as the other, you'll get somewhere. If you want to know how, the whole secret lies in beginning. The way to do it is to do it, right where you are, now. Begin to give something good to the person nearest to you, and keep on doing it, no matter what you seem to get back at first. Do, don't talk, and you'll lift yourself out of your troubles, no matter what they seem to be or how deeply you seem to be sunk in them. Try it. You'll be surprised. I was. Try it as patiently and as hard as you would try to get a drink of water if you were very thirsty. You'll get a return, a reward, that you don't even dream of yet. You will. Don't let anybody fool you about it. And besides, if it doesn't work, you don't have to keep on with it. But you will keep on if you give it a fair chance to prove itself. Because it works.